Hey listeners, Dennis here. Coming up next on this particular episode is the full interview I conducted with Chris Cargill from the Washington Policy Center. Chris was featured in part three of the Upward Social Mobility mini-series, and you can certainly have a listen to that episode and get a more condensed version of what you will hear on this particular episode. Because he is based up in the state of Washington, the city of Seattle has been often in the news this past year with regards to a lot of the protests, with regards to the autonomous zone that was set up, and then even prior to this year, the homeless population that has been exacerbated up in that area. Chris and his team have begun a new initiative to combat a particular narrative that a lot of millennials have been hearing about capitalism. And that's what you're going to hear about today on this particular episode. So this should be a really good one for you to just sit back and relax and tune in to hear something that most millennials do not often hear. Also, coming up on Wisco Weekly, I'll be featuring two guests that represent two opposing sides of a ballot initiative in the state of Massachusetts. In the state of Massachusetts, they will be facing another initiative that would expand an existing law called the Right to Repair Law. And on the show, I will be featuring Aaron Lowe, who will be representing the supporting party that wants to pass the ballot initiative in the state of Massachusetts. And on the opposing side, I will be featuring Connor Units. And so that will be a great discussion to hear how what's going on specifically in the state of Massachusetts, how they have the only right to repair law in the United States and how should this particular initiative pass, there is certainly going to be a ripple effect found throughout the rest of the United States in the years to come. At the heart of the proposed ballot initiative is consumer data. Who owns it? Who has the rights to it? Who can share it? So you won't want to miss this one because it could have a reverberating effect throughout the entire United States. Be sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you can get notifications on when that episode is published. And also want to thank Automotive Mastermind for their support of Wisco Weekly. Now, let's get into the show. You are now tuned in to the Wisco Weekly Experience. Mabuhay, bienvenidos, vitaita, willkommen, and welcome to Wisco Weekly. Listeners, a sincere, sincere thank you for tuning in to the show. It's been close to three years doing this podcast show, and I appreciate all of you who have been following along. I've done lots of changes here and there, and I'm still going to be doing them because there's just so many interesting things going on. And certainly right now, one of the things that's top of mind for me ties in with my guest today. I don't want to waste any further ado. I like to, I'm starting to try to keep these shows a little bit more casual and informal because my guests just open up a little bit better when they're just a little bit more relaxed. And I was trying to encourage my guest today to have a sip of some bourbon or some whiskey and he refused. And he's a, I guess, let me, you know, I'll read you a little bit more of a formal introduction, but he's a zag. I mean, for God's sakes, I thought those guys drink. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. 
My guest today is the Eastern Washington director at the Washington Policy Center. He's a sixth generation Eastern Washingtonian. Tonian. I was practicing saying that so many different ways and so many different times. Washingtonian. A, and he's a proud Zag from Gonzaga. He is a husband. He's a father. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Mr. Chris Cargill. Thanks very much, Dan. It's good to be with you. And let, let me just say off the top here okay. that we only had to drink after that final four national championship matchup against North Carolina that was taken away. From what us. year was that? Tell me what year was this one? 2017 in Phoenix. 2017 in Phoenix. Final yeah. four between the Zags and North Carolina. Yeah, it actually turned out to be the national championship game. Who was on Gonzaga's squad at that time? Yeah, Nigel Williams-Goss and um, Shemek Karnowski and Jonathan Williams. And, and so it was a great team, went undefeated. Uh, I had one loss um, that was like their second to last game. Hmm. Um, they were rated number one in the country and probably should have won that national championship game, but there was some kind of fishy officiating going on. Oh, it's the officiating that was the problem. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> Well, Chris, uh, I'm I'm a fan of uh, Gonzaga, first off, uh, and that's kind of another story that we can get into. Uh, I'm a fan of the Washington Policy Center and the conversations I've had with Maria Frost and the short time that I've had to look into the new initiative put on by the Washington Policy Center. You yourself, as well as the other teammates, team members that are involved, is the Free Markets Destroy initiative. And I think one of the things that is a good way to look about this, I think a lot of us would have done what you did initially and say, hey, we need to create all this optimism around the free markets. And so we should start a campaign that is driven in the philosophy that free markets create, right? Oh, it's so flowery. It's so, it's so great to be in. I, I want to create, right? But you guys flipped that all around and called yeah. the free markets destroyed. Tell me, tell me more about that. Yeah, so you know, this is a this has been an issue that we've been tracking for the past couple of years. And particularly in the last year, at the end of last year, our board of directors said, look, we gotta we gotta do something to address this challenge of people, particularly young people, the 18 to 34-year-old ranges, reaching out to and wanting to get more involved in socialism and being more skeptical of the free market. So at the end of last year, our board said, you know what, let's put together a marketing campaign for next year, for 2020, that can address and talk about all the great things of the marketplace. Uh, that capitalism is not the evil that, uh, that some people make it out to be, that it's actually the market that creates all of these different things that we, that we use as a society. And so we, uh, we all were on board with that, obviously. We put out a national RFP asking for different um, ideas and, and uh, proposals from firms all across the country saying if you had uh, upwards of a million dollars to reach out to this group of 18 to 34-year-olds and convince them of the message that the market is actually good and that socialism is not the way to go, how would you do it? And so we did. We did get back some, some of the more standard Proposals, yeah, red, white, and blue. Capitalism is great. Free markets are great. That's exactly right. Right, mm -hmm. and you should do it on radio, TV, newspapers, all those type of things. 
And then we also got back one proposal from a company in Austin, Texas called Emergent Order. That company, if you're not familiar with them, they're a creative studio in Emergent, or excuse me, in Austin, Texas called Emergent Order. They're the ones who are behind the Arthur Brooks Pursuit movie, if you've seen that. Great documentary. And listeners, if you Great. get the chance, visit the episode page and I'll put a link to that documentary. Yeah, absolutely. They've also done a lot of YouTube rap videos, uh, you know, Mises versus Marks, those type of things where they're comparing two different forms of, of essentially of government and saying which, you know, which one, which ideology is, is best. So they're very, very popular. A lot of people know their work. They came to us and said, look, you got you to gotta do something completely different here. If you want to address 18 to 34-year-olds, don't talk to them about what the free market creates. Don't talk to them about how great the free market is. They're skeptical of all these messages. They are, they are whatever you say about that, mark, that particular demographic, millennials, Gen Zs, they are temperamentally progressive. So you need to go at them where they are. And what they want to do is they want to change things. They want to change things quickly. They want to destroy what's broken and move on to the next best thing. And the irony about all of this, as you know, Dennis, is that it's the free market that does that the best. If mm -hmm. you want to change things, if you want to move quickly, if you want to have advances, no matter what subject that we're talking about, whether it be climate change or education, disease, healthcare, whatever, the free market is going to be the best mechanism to, to get you there. And so they said what you should call your campaign, not only to get attention, but also to speak to that targeted demographic, is free markets destroyed. And so we were a little bit skeptical about that, you know, obviously. Okay, wait, hang on, hang on, Chris. I want to, so let's, let's, let's improvise here because I think there's a couple things, couple big things I actually want to ask you about and hear your thoughts on. Okay, first off is, it is so again, I think the campaign is so super interesting. The name is brilliant. This came, as you said, from a firm, a creative firm in Austin, Texas. Right. As you, I'm sure, are well aware, there is this exodus out of California to Texas, and specifically, most of them seem to be going towards Austin. Yep, that's right. How much of Austin is starting to turn like California? Well, I think that's a good question. And I think it's not only Austin, I think it's all of Texas. I mean, they're not only going to places like Austin, but they're going to, you know, Houston and San Antonio and Dallas and, and everywhere in between. And you can just see that in some of the, the A, the demographics, but also B, the political uh, voting patterns of Texas and other low tax, low regulation states. So we're seeing, as you mentioned, the exodus from California to not only Texas, but also Arizona. And right. then on the, on the East Coast, you're seeing it from- but, Hey, let's be real about the exodus from California to Arizona. That's not as buzzworthy. It's kind of like <laughs> free markets, it's like free markets create, right? Not as buzzworthy as free markets destroy. That's the California to Texas exodus there. Yeah, and I mean, it's happening in a lot of these areas where you have a, a, an area, you know, like Washington State, for instance, very liberal area in Washington State, like Seattle, a lot of difficulties going on right now in Seattle. And some people are getting fed up with it. And an interesting anecdote here, I had a friend of mine, a lot of people are moving from the west side of Washington State, Seattle area, to either the east side of Washington State or over to Idaho as well. Interesting note, uh, uh, the cost of a U-Haul van a couple of weeks ago 
from Boise to Seattle um, was, uh, I think it was about 150 bucks. From Seattle to Boise, it was about 850 bucks. Mm. And, and obviously the reason for that is supply and demand. You know, there's so now, many- is, Isn't that capitalism? Yes, that's exactly right. That is capitalism. That's people voting with their feet. You know, they don't like the, the policies that are happening in, in those certain areas. And now, I mean, to be somewhat fair, and I would say this is an elementary argument, but let me just say it nonetheless, right? This is where you are going to have folks who aren't for capitalism, who are arguing more for socialism to say, oh, U-Haul is gouging us now. And it's like, well, look, it's, it is an option for you. If there's not a U-Haul to do this for you, how else are you going to do it? You're going to do it by train? Well, good luck with that. What are the options for that? Oh, it's not available. Oh, yep. well, I know U-Haul is a little bit much, but it allows you that freedom and that flexibility to do what you want. Right. That's exactly right. But, you know, back to your point earlier about the, you know, the Texas influx and, and the other states, what will be interesting to see over the next five to 10 years is whether those people who are moving to those different states are taking their voting patterns with them. Mm. Uh, they, part of the reason we hear time and time again of people moving is because you know, they're fed up with the taxes, they're fed up with the, the crime situation, they're fed up with the business climate, what have you. Well, I mean, that directly reflects on who you elect, the type of initiatives or statewide ballot measures that you might vote for, um, and so will people who are moving, you know, taking that California to Texas shift, for example, will they take their, their voting patterns with them and do the same thing to Texas as they're doing to California? It'll be interesting to watch that. It will be interesting. I think you and I would both agree that certainly that will be the case. It's just a matter of how it really evolves and what forms and stages and levels and degrees and whatnot, right? Like at the end of the day, it's just, it's too natural for this migration to occur where if you were born and raised in California, you're generally a little bit more open-minded, right? So then you're going to bring that to Texas, which the only place, one of the main places you can find more openness is going to be in Austin versus I don't know, Deep Ellum, Texas. I, I had the chance to visit Deep Ellum, Texas and the bars around there. And that was certainly an experience. And, you know, as you could see, I'm Filipino, but you get me to start drinking and I start talking like a, you know, Southern boy there with a little, little hick accent. And, you know, I got my drawls going on my, Hey y'all. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I mean, it happens to you when you go down South, obviously. Uh, all right. So here's the second thing I want to clarify. And I want to share with you my, understanding and definition, and perhaps then you can uh, add to it or, or redefine it for me. So one of the things then, as you start talking, as you start talking about the free markets destroy, and then how there's a prevailing wind towards socialism, I, I wanted to speak about the definitions of free market versus capitalism. And the best way that I thought about this, that I could illustrate it, is free market is really the all-encompassing theme here. It's the idea of you, Chris, could take your car, go to Craigslist, sell that car yourself, and boom, you've made some money. And look, if you can get your friend to do that, you've made a little bit more money. Capitalism is when you become more organized in your free market. And you become now the dealership in which now the dealership has the capital. They have the resources. They have the backing of the manufacturer. They have staff. And now they have this more as an operation. 
Would you agree with that assessment between free market and capitalism? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, uh, if you go to the website, freemarketsdestroy.com, that's the website where we have kind of a bar that explains what exactly is the free market. I think, I think what you laid out is, is, is very good. The only thing I might add is that on that page, you know, we have the, the kind of the three elements of what exactly is uh, a free market. Uh, the first part is, you know, don't hurt other people or steal their stuff. Pretty simple, pretty simple uh, explanation there. Second part is you keep your word. You know, free markets are about people reaching agreements with each other on the work that they do, trade, invest, whatever it may be. You keep your word, you do it that way. The third part is that there's no permission required. Uh, basically, you're free to try, you're free to buy, you're free to leave. Uh, that is essentially the freedom that you have in, in a free market. So, I mean, I, I, think, I think what you said is correct. I would just add maybe a little bit more flavor onto the free market piece. Yeah, uh, if anything, that it, that lays the groundwork to which I think for someone like, for, for people that already side with the free market, that's almost a given, but certainly if you don't understand the cops, concepts of a free market, then you have to lay out those basics because yeah, absolutely. Like there's no chance that you would sell, you know, a car on Craigslist and for me to then, um, you know, try to buy this from you. And if you don't live up to your end of the bargain, well, then the free market doesn't do anything. It doesn't serve anyone. And therefore you have, there's, there's no structure of a free market there. Yeah. I mean, under the free market, you're, you're free to, to work for whoever you want. You're free to love and marry whoever you want. You're free to worship whoever and whatever you want. You're free to trade with whoever you want. I mean, this is the freedom that empowers us. And that is why it's, it's such, I think it's such a brilliant campaign that they came up with, the free markets destroy. It destroys the bad things that we all hate and replaces them with something even better. Okay. Uh, I want to actually, let, let, let me ask you this there because, so this message resonates between 18-year-olds and 35-year-olds. Right. Now, this message comes in conflict with another demographic. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me about this demographic. Right. So, I mean, as I mentioned at the beginning, we were a little bit skeptical uh, about whether destroy was the best word to use uh, when we're trying to talk about the benefits of the free market. Um, the, those of us who were in the initial meeting are not necessarily in the targeted demographic. <laughs> and so our, you know, we had a little bit of skepticism, but what has been interesting, as you mentioned, is that um, the, the testing that we've done on social media platforms, the people that we've talked to, younger people like the message, they get the message, they understand the message, um, and they think it's a perfect way to reach that targeted demographic. I have to be honest and say some of our older supporters um, have not necessarily responded that way. Um, they, they see it differently. Um, they, they think that it, it uh, will... Uh, some of the words I've heard used are backfire or, you know, do those type of things. But I think it's important to keep in mind, we're not trying to reach those targeted demographics, the older demographics. And, you know, the older demographics, for the most part, um, are with us. If you look at the polling, the national polling that's there, um, they still believe in capitalism and despise socialism. The younger demographics, the 18 to 34-year-olds, those are folks that were all born after the fall of the Berlin Wall. You know, they don't have any sense of what socialism actually is. 
Yeah, the older generation, which, you know, uh, you and I are both of the same age in our 40s, and our parents, and even, you know, my parents are in their 70s, but even if you go 60s, right, these are going to be your very traditional parents. They, they understand things a certain way. They're not going to be as open to a message like this one that is a little bit more, you know, it's bolder, it's innovative, older parents, they're more conservative, they don't want to change, yada, yada. So the, it makes sense that the old generation is not as into this. Okay, so um, I want to play a game with you. Are you in for it? Sure, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to call this, um, we're going to call this game play-by-play. Play. You're, well, obviously, you're familiar with sports, you're a big basketball right. guy, and kudos to you, I'm a big basketball fan myself, and specifically college basketball. So... In a play-by-play in sports, you're we're basically you know you have your you have your um, play-by-play announcer and you have your color commentator. We're both going to be doing play-by-play. I'm going to read your most recent blog post that was published in the Spokane Journal about a month ago, which is kind of good timing. This allows us to catch up on some current events uh, in the wake of your your blog post. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I'm going to start reading and then we'll we'll start discussing it. All right. A bold, inspirational, and first-of-its-kind campaign to highlight free markets has hit Washington State billboards, computers, and smartphones, but it might not contain the message you'd expect. Before getting into the logic behind Washington Policy Center's seemingly counterintuitive free markets destroy advertising campaign, here's some background. A 2019 Gallup poll showed Americans don't believe in socialism. During the past few years, however, young adults' overall impression of capitalism and free markets has declined steadily. So you've already iterated this point first in defining or, you know, how you guys move from free markets create to free markets destroy. Right. Most fair-minded Washingtonians, how do you pronounce that? Washingtonians. Washingtonians. Most fair-minded Washingtonians have been shocked by the recent events in Seattle failed city leadership and a political movement concentrated on turning Seattle into an American socialist experiment are ripping the city apart. It is, we're, we're in the beginning parts of September here and understanding that's uh, this episode will probably be published later, but at least one month after you published this blog post, what's the weather, what's the climate, what's the temperature in Seattle right now? It really hasn't changed much. I mean, it's it's basically still what was happening at the time that I wrote that, where there's still a lot of protests, some violence. Um, the city council and the mayor uh, have been criticized enormously for not taking proper action. I mean, even the most standard action that you would assume just to protect pro- private property and to protect businesses and for t- to protect the people living in the city. The city council and the mayor have have not done that. Um, that's one part of it. The other part of it, of course, is the economic piece, which is you know somewhat related to that. The Seattle City Council has passed huge new taxes on specific companies, including Amazon. Amazon has said, "Fine, you're going to do that. We're moving part of our businesses to other other parts of the state, including right across the uh, Lake Washington to to Bellevue." And so. This, when I wrote that, obviously, it was at the height of a lot of this stuff, but I have to tell you, it's still going on where you have the Seattle City Council, which has an elected socialist member, and the other members who are not necessarily elected socialists certainly act like it, 
um, has really done a poor job of protecting not only the, the image of Seattle, but also the climate that's in Seattle. I mean, Seattle, I used to go there all the time as a kid, and I would, I would gladly take my, my kids there now if it weren't for the chaos that is, is on some of the city streets and the fact that in some, in some areas it's dangerous to, to go there. And it's really sad. To, to your point of that it's, Seattle's just not as nice of a place anymore. And, and certainly when you do have some of the personal property that's not being protected, when that property is business property and, and furthermore that's being destroyed, like that's not good either. And I was driving over here even in Los Angeles and seeing a lot of the businesses, they weren't shattered per se, the, the, the windows weren't shattered but they were all boarded up and closed. In some places, this is, and this is like West LA too. Some places look like the owners just said, Fuck it. And like left their keys, did, you know, the shop is all graffitied out. Like it's, it's very sad. It's extremely sad to see that because there's just no, <clears throat> there's no like economic activity anymore in that area. Yeah, same situation is happening on some, some areas of Seattle. I was just there last week was driving through. I mean, you have all the highway signs graffiti, you have homeless people everywhere. There's a lot of human waste on the sidewalks from the homeless people. There's businesses boarded up. You'll remember just about a month and a half ago, the, the shortest and smallest country ever in the history of the world, Chaz, uh, opened up. And the Seattle City Council and mayor did nothing about it. Uh, they waited an entire month almost to actually go in there and restore order. And several people lost, actually, I know for sure that was one person that lost their life. And there were other reports of crime as well. It was certainly surreal down here in Southern California to hear about what was going on with Chaz and Chop. And, mm -hmm. you know, again, it's uh, my wife and I had so many discussions over the dinner table about what was going on there. And again, just so surreal um, yeah. with the autonomous zone being set up in the, you know, again, it's one of the things that was kind of ironic about the whole setting up of the autonomous zone was that they needed so much organization and a hierarchy of individuals that again has been given to us by the free market through capitalism through companies building stuff through fueling economic activity by giving people jobs and again you you've had this society over the last uh, i don't know few hundred years now in, in the united states that has been the direct result of free markets of people being innovative to build things to expand and then again, they developed their Chaz zone and like they have no organization whatsoever. No, and they put a, a list of all the supplies that they were running short on. Uh, you know, for a utopia, it sure wasn't very utopian. Um, you know, it was, it was really lacking. Okay, so let's, let's go on here. Down I-5 in Portland, a similar situation is playing out. Protesters view capitalism as the enemy and they are intent on ruining the city. Bottom line, we have a real problem in this country. Young generations are warming to the idea of socialism and are skeptical about our free market system. They lay all of the challenges we have as a society at the feet of capitalism. What they want is change and reform. They want to destroy what's broken and replace it with something better. We are in a fight of our lives advocating for free enterprise. It's the future of the country. What young people have never heard until now is that it's, it's markets that actually bring about change through a process known as creative destruction or the process of continual improvement. All right, question here on this. You describe this process as creative destruction. 
let me just push back real quick and, and, and punch me in the face with this then, okay? It seems like if you're saying creative destruction, you're redefining destruction by adding the modifier of creative. Now, I understand from a marketing perspective, and again, maybe if that's all that is, okay, maybe that's the punch in the face that you're like, Dennis, stop reading into it. It's literally <laughs> the marketing and the messaging, so just let's move on. But is there something else behind the idea of creative destruction in redefining essentially the term destruction? Well, I think a, a little bit. Um, I, I think maybe we might be reading into it a little bit much, but I will say this. You look at some of the greatest innovators that we've had in our country, people like Steve Jobs and Thomas Edison and all these people have created all these different things that we use as a society. They will be the first ones to tell you, I think, I don't want to speak for them. Obviously they can't speak for themselves right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm, I'm certain you could speak for them. <laughs> if they were alive, um, I think they would be the first ones to tell you that creative destruction was a critical component to what they do. Um, we have shirts right now that, that, have the, that have three words on them. The message that says destroy, create, repeat. So, I mean, that's what, that's what we're talking about here when we talk about what the free market can do. You, as a person, let's say you owned Blockbuster Video, for example. You might be a little bit back, nervous. Back in the 80s and 90s, though, right? That's when I owned it. Well, I don't want to own it now. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I mean, there is one Blockbuster left open. It's up in Alaska. They had something like 2,000 stores in the 90s. Now they have one. Why is that? Well, because the marketplace came in, destroyed Blockbuster, and what did it replace it with? Netflix. Netflix. Hulu. Amazon Prime. Yeah. Hulu. Amazon Prime. Yeah. All of these different things that made it easier and better for us uh, to, to get the, the TV shows, the movies, all the different things that we, that we need. So I think in that respect, that's what we're talking about when we say creative destruction. Okay, fair. All right. Uh, so... Uh, a process known as creative destruction or the process of continual improvement, free markets tear down what's broken. They take on companies and institutions that are no longer serving people. That's why Washington Policy Center this month is launching Free Markets Destroy. Again, this article that Chris wrote uh, was done back at the beginning of August. This marketing campaign will focus on the power of the marketplace to destroy society's worst problems and continually improve our lives. Free markets destroy monopolies. They destroy bigotry. They destroy broken models of education. Free markets destroy pollution, hunger, poverty, and boredom. Free, I feel like this, do you want to read this? Because this is like really a political stump speech right here. Like I, well, I'm, I, yeah, I mean, free markets basically can, can bring us together uh, by breaking down the barriers that, that stand in our way. Uh, they are a force for revolution, as we've just talked about. It's the message that, that young people really have never heard before. They've always heard capitalism is great, red, white, and blue. If you want to uh, love America, you need to love money and capitalism. But they've never heard a message uh, in this way and the way we're delivering it now with Free Markets Destroy. There's been all these different groups like Washington Policy Center and others that have tried to do campaigns like this. I think hmm. the trap that they've fallen into um, is that they've never they've never never done it from the perspective of that that targeted demographic, the millennials and Gen Zs. We've always unfortunately done it from the perspective, you know, of the 40, 50, 60 year olds who say, well, of course you'd want to believe in the marketplace. Look at all it has done for our country. Um, as I mentioned, those people, the the 18 to 34 year olds 
have not been alive that long. And so they, they don't know the history of, of what we've been through in the, the American uh, experiment. Yep. Okay. Consider the fact that more than 100 companies currently are competing to find a vaccine for COVID-19. Meantime, sports have returned and a Pittsburgh company has designed a solution to clean stadiums via electrostatic drones. Free markets are destroying disease. Meantime, Walmart is partnering with Tribeca to destroy boredom by turning store parking lots into drive-in theaters. Elon Musk got America back into space in six years and for, the, and for less than $1 billion. A government committee claimed it would take more than a decade and cost $26 billion. Free markets are destroying our absence in the final frontier. Now, I think the one thing I want to add to this Walmart and Elon Musk example is these are examples of public-private partnerships. I don't know myself if how we can improve upon that, how we can dest- creatively destroy the public-private partnership, because I do think it's beneficial, but certainly there's going to come a point where when it gets handed over to the public goods or to the public, things get mismanaged, things you know, oftentimes it gets mismanaged, at least here in California it does. Um, is there, are, are you talking about a public-private partnership in this case? Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's all sorts of different examples. Obviously, there's the public-private partnership example. There's the completely private uh, example. I mean, there's all sorts of examples that exist. Obviously, Elon Musk, SpaceX, they work with NASA. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's an important point that you make there. But I will say, uh, that that government committee back in 2011 said it was going to take us so much more and at a cost so much higher. Well, what happened? We, we got the private uh, uh, industry involved in this. SpaceX saw that there was the opportunity to improve, saw that there was the opportunity to get people in the space. And what else did they see? They saw that there was an opportunity for some revenue as well. And so that helped obviously push that forward in a way that government could never do. I mean, government could not be the mechanism to get you there uh, in that short amount of time with that short amount of money. Now, yeah, essentially, it was the private sector that took the lead as opposed to the public sector. Yeah, I mean, the government is, uh, we are not suggesting in any way that the government has to cease to exist. Obviously, government is there to set boundaries. It's essentially like a bowling alley. Government is there to make sure that everybody stays on the alley, doesn't fall into the gutters. Okay, that's fine. But what we are suggesting is that government shouldn't be getting in there and slowing down the balls, you know, saying, okay, since your ball, you know, since you've got a a certain um, area, uh, your ball needs to go slower than all these other balls. But you know what they are doing to further this illustration of the bowling alley is they are wanting to mandate by default to have the guardrails up so that nobody ever spills in there, which again, there's, that's there's some uh there's some cons with 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 that philosophy as well oh absolutely i think that's a a, an excellent point you know that the the gutters have to be there the the gutters have to to exist because a, a society that depends on free markets that depends on allowing people to go out you have to be allowed to fail because that is the way you come up with something even better all right uh we'll uh I'll finish reading this here that I know you have to get going here. So uh, free markets are the reason we have 1,246 genres of pop music instead of 12. Now, 
this is where I, I could actually do just with 12 because, you know, <laughs> I, I was looking this up. Like it was great to listen to house music. Now they got like trance, tropical, acid, yeah. ambient, deep, electro, Brazilian, Dutch, French. And then you can even start getting into dubstep. So I, I would take the 12 genres here. Uh, The price of a 50-inch 4K HD television dropped 80% between 2012 and 2017. Free markets destroy outdated technology. Uh, Let me, I'll have you comment on this part here, but so this is one area that I may want to say, you know what, while free markets destroy outdated technology, I think in a similar fashion, you could make an argument that do we really need a 50 inch 4k HD TV? Right. And I think that is, I think that's perhaps one of the social issues that is brewing. And that is us as a society leaning more towards sustainability. We're again, bypass the 50 and just go to the 75, you know, or. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, this, uh, this TV example is a great example. The cell phone example is another great example. I mean, imagine and if, if you're not remembering this, perhaps you're not old enough, back in the, the 80s and 90s, these cell phones were these large brick things. Sometimes they, you couldn't even move them out of your car. They were so big. Uh, and one of those would cost you thousands and thousands of dollars. Now you can get a brand new cell phone which contains more power than they had in one of the original Apollo missions uh, that allows you to have the world at your fingertips and sometimes, depending on which carrier you go through, sometimes you can get it for free. Now, that is an example of the marketplace continually innovating, continually uh, coming up with new ideas and competing. And that goes back to the TV example. Why do we have the option to get a 50-inch 4K HD TV for 80% lower than it was you know, 8, 10 years ago? Well, because you have 20 different models you can choose from. Uh, you don't like Panasonic, you can buy a Mitsubishi. You don't like Mitsubishi, you can buy a Sony, so on and so forth. I mean, I, went to, I was at Walmart the other day, and some of these models I didn't even recognize. <laughs> I mean, they were so unusual. And that's the great thing, is that it is allows the, the people perhaps in, in uh, uh, demographics and uh, um, um, conditions of living that might not be able to afford something like that, now they can afford it. I think the, America perhaps is the only country in the world where you could get a TV and a cell phone and still be considered living below the poverty line. I mean, that tells you something. Well, yeah, and it's certainly always interesting too, right? When you do hear about how a lot of the younger generation, the millennials who are advocating for socialism are doing it with an iPhone as they're yeah. recording, as they're texting, you know, with their brand new Nike shoes and whatnot. Again, I know every, I, I know we've all pointed that out, but I, that this kind of, uh, you know, reminds me of that. Absolutely. And, and, and lastly, ending this blog post that Chris wrote, time and time again, we witness the power of the market in our everyday life. Free markets are a revolutionary force for good. It's a message young people have never heard in the way we're going to deliver it. Chris Cargill, 2024. <laughs> well, I think my wife might have something to say. The, the marketplace in my house might have something a little <laughs> a bit to say about that. So, uh, but I, you know, I think it's, 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 it's just to just kind of put a bow on that. It is everything that we hate as a society. The marketplace can be the mechanism to make it better. Um, climate change is a big deal to, to young people. 
Well, guess what? The Prius and uh, other hybrid vehicles and the electric cars, those didn't come from the government saying, Toyota, Honda, all the other companies, you need to create these cars. They came from the marketplace creating them because they saw an opportunity. They, the marketplace saw people wanted more fuel efficient vehicles. They put the technology, they put the money in to come up with those uh, fuel efficient vehicles. And then guess what happened? Then government jumped on board and started mandating it. But the companies did it first because they saw that we all wanted it. Here, here. Amen. Chris, how can people get in touch with you and Free Markets Destroy? So a couple of ways. You can go on to freemarketsdestroy.com. That's the main website where we actually arm you with some of the facts, figures, tools that you need to, to make arguments. Second way is by checking us out on Facebook or Instagram. Just search for Free Markets Destroy. It'll come up there. Like the page, share the page with others. And then the third thing that we're doing, uh, and I think, Dennis, you were one of our first orders, actually. Uh, was <laughs> we are selling merchandise for it. Um, and you can go on to the Facebook page or the, um, or the freemarketsdestroy.com page and buy merchandise for the young people in your life uh, that has any of these things, free markets, destroy, boredom, whatever you want to buy for them. And all of the money that uh, comes in for that actually goes back into funding the campaign. So it's not as if someone's making any money off of this. It's actually a way to just help us keep the campaign going. I'm okay, Chris, if you're making money off this. I'm okay, okay. with that. You're, you're, you're doing some good work. I, I don't mind at all, which is, why I, which is why it was very easy to spend money on buying a T-shirt that normally, you know, you see so many T-shirts everywhere and it's like, eh, you know, 25 bucks. Well, I don't know. I forget how much it was, 25, 30 bucks. It's like, yeah, of course I could easily afford that. But again, at some point, not only is it the product, but now it's what's be, what stands behind that product. And the, the work that the initiative is doing as it's tied to the Washington Policy Center, I'm a fan of it. If that's my way of supporting it, amen to that. I'm, I'm okay with that, you know? Well, and what's ended up happening, I don't know if it's happened to you yet, uh, is that people who are wearing these mer pieces of merchandise are going out in the public and the pieces of, uh, pieces of merchandise are causing conversations. You know, the, the convenience store clerk or the person you run into at the library or where, wherever, they're saying... What's that all about? They, they wonder what the campaign is. And so that helps us spread the message even more. Listeners, I do love my shirt. I got the free markets destroy boredom. And again, check out their website. There's all different kinds of slogans that they have, but it all starts with free markets destroy. So listeners, thanks for tuning into the, this episode. Chris, thank you, sir, for sharing uh, everything that's going on with that initiative. And I wish you well. I'll be following you guys along. And um, again, listeners, check out their website, freemarketsdestroy.com. As we end every episode, cheers, prost, chaim, kipis, nastravi, salut, kampai, mabruk, tutsins, gambe, yamas, vo, salute, and sauji to the customer experience. A huge thank you to Mr. Chris Cargill for being featured and sharing all his insights and wisdom with how millennials can consume a better, more relevant message on capitalism. And listeners, if you're digging the show, please do rate, review, and subscribe to Wisco Weekly. See you next time.